Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yes. Good morning, everybody. Today is Thursday, January 5th, and it is our 100th episode today. That's right. Today, yes, we are sharing our 100th episode today with National Whipped Cream Day, National Keto Day, National Bird Day for all those birdies out there that love to sing lovely tunes. And it's also National Screenwriters Day who like to promote all the fake things in reality. Today, thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. Also, make sure you scan that scan chart on the top so you can follow us on all of our social media platforms. But first, we have to pay a bill real quick. So... Flying into LAX and you want to taste some of the best weed in the world? Then stop by LAXCC, the closest dispensary to LAX, located 8332 Lincoln Boulevard and open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. Always make LAXCC your first stop when you touch down in L.A. and score like a winner. And don't forget to tell them I sent you and mention you'd like to get high of nine for 10% off your full order. All right, now that that is out of the way, you guys, we have the dope dad himself. That is right. <laughs> Rico Lameet, when he is not doing daycare service with macaroni shells, colored noodles, and paste. You can find him at TEDx conventions, hosting grown-ass adults, and babysitting them and making sure that they have their signed permission slips to actually have attended the TEDx convention in the first place. That's right, as the dope dad himself, Rico Meat. Oh my goodness, Jessica. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for getting us through our first 100 episodes. And um, I want to thank you, Jason, for bringing us you know, back here every single day to read the headlines of chaos. My headline today, everybody, is from out of New York via Syracuse.com's Brad Racino. Office of Cannabis Management misses a key deadline to develop social equity plan. The start of 2023 for New York cannabis is looking a little different than the sunshine rainbows and photo ops that we were blessed with just a week ago. It's been reported that New York Office of Cannabis Management has missed 
their mandated state cannabis law deadline to produce social equity and social and economic equity plan. The OCM's chief equity officer was required by the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act to provide the plan to the Cannabis Control Board by January 1st so they could provide a report in turn to the legislature. That did not happen. Per the article, OCM spokesperson Freeman Klopot said the agency's in process of reviewing hundreds of pages of notes from more than a dozen community roundtables held across the state with representatives from social and economic equity groups and staff is analyzing data to determine the locations of more than 1.2 million arrests in communities disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. He then promised to submit a report on social equity related activities by the end of this week but was a lot more vague about the full social equity and economic equity plan, saying that it's expected to be released sometime first quarter 2023. Neither Governor Kathy Hochul, temporary Senate President and Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, or Assembly Speaker Carl Heasty responded to New York Cannabis Insider's commentary outreach efforts. But back in October, Hochul did say that New York's plan for opening 20 conditional adult use retail dispensaries by the end of 2022 was still on track. This was before she told New Yorkers again to expect another 20 every month or so afterwards. They did, however, open one, and Jason Beck is now $100 poorer. <laughs> According to New York State Senator Jeremy Cooney, monitoring the MRTA social and economic equity goals and reviewing the plan's required reports on implementation are the legislature's responsibility, but he does not seem to think that he missed, that the missed deadline's really that big of a deal. Here's what he told New York Cannabis Insider. I've spoken with the leadership of OCM and they're diligently working on drafting the SEE plan and reporting requirements under the state law. It is my understanding that unanticipated delays in data reporting, staff hiring, challenges, and com ongoing community engagement have led to a delay in publishing these reports. While late, I have full confidence these reports will be made publicly available within a reasonable time frame. Historic data has revealed that whenever a politician says they have full confidence in something, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And they have no confidence whatsoever in the topics being discussed. New York cannabis industry operators and representatives, on the other hand, are not really too happy about this delay. These are the words of a pissed off New York City-based cannabis attorney, Paula Collins. These are not general guidelines. This was in the MRTA. It's what the legislature approved. It's what the governor signed. And they're just breezing by it as if there is no significance or bearing. What they may not realize is that there are cannabis professionals and ancillary professionals like myself who are really looking for these reports for information about how to move forward in this very dynamic space. And we need them to hold themselves accountable uh, to these deadlines. Why should anybody else in this space like legacy or unlicensed vendors take heed to the rules that they have set forth if they themselves don't stick to them? Well, folks, there you have it. As much as I love New York and have nothing but the utmost respect for the good folks involved in the Empire State legalization movement, this delayed SEE plan needs to be called what it is. Another major misstep in another major cannabis market with the people heralded as the most important pieces to the whole damn puzzle being left out to dry as an afterthought to lawmakers more concerned with high profile photo ops than actually righting their predecessors wrongs from the illegal and racist war on drugs. It's a damn shame and we told y'all that this shit was gonna happen.
I've said it before and I'll say it again. Social equity is a bullshit marketing buzzword with no agreed upon definition that continues to offer more empty hope and promises to the people than politicians and investors have the will or patience to deliver. If any seeds of generational wealth are planted on a broad scale for the people and communities of color that have suffered, it'll be through cash reparations. Full stop. I'm Rico Lamit, dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News. Thank you for tuning in for episode 100. What's up, news team? I'm shooting hundreds, hundreds. Sounds like sounds like we're shooting as many hundreds as this uh, as this department is shooting on on absolutely nothing, Rico. Blanks. Blanks. Well, big, we all know Jake Zach shoots blanks here when it comes to putting out the hundreds. Um, <laughs> Powdered milk. Yeah, uh, I agree with Rico. I mean, the number one rule in politics is don't put a date on anything because you're never going to it never works, never happens. So they should not have done that to begin with. I'm not suggesting, though, that the folks in New York should just be left holding the bag. Uh, they're clearly falling down on the job and getting it out um, and what needs to happen. Um, I think people get too excited by markets when they legalize. They have all these pipe dreams um, and don't realize at all the measures that need to go into actually planning a market. Um, and they just fall behind. I don't think it's out of uh, malintent. I think they did intend to raise the money for the social equity thing because we know that's going to come up and Jason's going to say they stole it. They stole uh, it. They did. Yeah. Uh, but they I really think it. people go into these things with good intentions, but really truly underestimate what it takes to get these things working. I think the only good intentions they went in, went in with was to fatten their pockets off of this fund. Gretchen. Real talk. <laughs> that's, that's what I think they need to do like immediately is reveal to the people how much the commission was that these people were paid to actually be involved with that fund. Mm -hmm. How much were they paid? And where do those money? Well, this, this is not about the fund, correct, Rico? What this isn't about the fund. Is not yeah. done. Yeah, this, this, this isn't about the fund. It's, this to me, like, it just shows me like nobody in New York, except for the people that are affected, even really cared about social equity from the jump. It was never a priority. Uh, for the legislature, uh, <laughs> for the, uh, for anybody in the in politics, for any of the investors or anything like that, it was it was not a priority for them. Getting paid was a priority, and you know what? They're they're going to move forward, and a bunch of um, a bunch of uh, retailers will go through, and they're going to be all the corporate re retailers. And you know what? Black and brown communities and everybody who was affected by the war on drugs, they're going to be an afterthought once again. And they're going to have to play catch up once again. Very, very true. I think very, it's a bit unfair to say it's not a priority. Clearly, the way that New York has drafted their regulations have put uh, social equity applicants at the front of the line shows their intent. It does not mean their execution was good, but right. to suggest that they didn't care at all about social equity, I think is. I don't think they cared yeah. at all. I think they used it all as a bud buzzword trying to create yes. trying to create this propaganda eyes yeah, buzz. yep. buzzword um, to try to act like they're doing something for the community when they're not doing anything except for to enrich themselves. Yep. Well, it, it is it is the buzzword to bring up, right? It, it gives the perception that we're socially woke and that we're attempting to do something worthwhile. But People that are ultimately, at the end sleep. of the day, the ultimate problem here is really that no one has decided on what the definition of social equity is. And so how could we possibly develop a system that actually is functional to 
to and be meaningful to improve social equity opportunity if we can't even you know by municipalities one, one to the next can even understand or agree on what that term means yeah and i think um just you know some great points being made in the comments here and what it comes down to is social equity is just another word to and another phrase to keep business moving as usual and placate mm -hmm. a large portion of the population who's saying, hey, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. Hey, so let me us? placate you and put some regulations in place, but then nothing will be done. There's, uh, you know, no one is going to suffer because these social equity um, regulations haven't been put in place except for those who have been suffering for hundreds of years. Um, and it's just, it's just really sad. And I mean, the story's just old. You know, just old. It is. Yep, I'm. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think. I think we gotta. We gotta move it on, though. We gotta. You let's ready, keep Rico? It going, yeah. yeah, let's keep it going. Thank you so much for that, Rico. That was a great story and some that definitely needs to be addressed and talked about continually. Absolutely. Yep. So, up next, we've got the mink coat wearing, private jet hopping, dollar bill waving. Green Street lounging, wheeling and dealing, longest continuously operating retailer in the game. There's no telling where he might pop up next. He's been spotted at Mar-a-Lago talking cannabis policy with disgraced politicians. He's been up politicking disgraced. with Delta 8 hustlers out in Detroit where they call him White Gucci. Or maybe even, you might even catch him at home in West Hollywood serving up truth to the people as the first president of cannabis tourism. You never know, Will, if he'll ever make good on a lost bet. But... You best believe he's always smoking on the best weed in the world. Coming to the stage next and blessing us with another episode for ep another story for episode 100. Y'all know who it is. Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Now, R Rico, I think you're really going to like my story because my story kind of dovetails off of your story. Because in New Jersey, the NJEDA announces new cannabis equity grant program. That's right. On December 21st, 2022, the New Jersey Economic Development Authority announced the launch of their brand new cannabis equity grant program. This initiative was developed in order to assist with early stage expenses and technical training in an ever-growing cannabis industry. $10 million in total funding will be available during the initial program plot. Of that $10 million, 60% of those funds will go towards qualifying social equity applicants, including those who had previous cannabis convictions or reside in, in economically disadvantaged areas. Economically disadvantaged areas are determined by the New Jersey uh, Cannabis Regulatory Commission, who has identified zip codes that meet certain economic criteria. Qualifying businesses can receive up to $250,000 in funds to help with costs such as regulatory fees, uh, rental, rental expenses, utilities, wages, and grantees may also access technical assistance and business education courses provided by the NJEDA. The remaining 40% of those funds are available to all entities who have secured municipal approval and site control of the business's real estate. Those with conditional licenses and existing approvals may also access up to $250,000 in funding. Funding and resources have been set aside specifically for impact zones, which are areas targeted based on previous levels of marijuana arrest, population unemployment rates, and additional socioeconomic factors. 5% uh, 5% of disadvantaged areas um, and the application fee 
of $1,000 in these regions will be waived. The applicants will remain open for 180 days following the official launch of the grant program, they say. And this legislation comes on the heels of legalization of cannabis for adult use purposes in 2020. By 2021, guidelines were established. Da, 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 da. Yeah, you know what? We don't need any of that stuff. But upholding and promoting equity in this expansion of this cannabis industry is but one way we've begun to rectify historic injustices that have largely impacted communities of color per the New Jersey ACLU. Uh, black individuals were arrested for cannabis charges 3.45 times the amount of their white counterparts, despite similar rates of usage. Regularly, 15 counties in New Jersey have had a, had a greater racial disparity than that of the national average. Thankfully, initiatives like the Cannabis Equity Grant Program help to correct these historic wrongs, they say. And per John Harmon, a senior founder and president and CEO of the African-American Chamber of Commerce says, we are pleased with the efforts of the NJEDA to authorize critical resources that will assist our constituency in advancing their plans to participate in the recreational cannabis industry in our state. I applaud the leadership of the NJEDA for their willingness to listen and engage in a frank dialogue with business entrepreneurs that have capital at risk and their plans to bring value to the marketplaces. It is through these best practices that we can realize a transformation that will lead a more equitable New Jersey, they say. The program would not be possible without the support of the New Jersey Economic Development Authority and the state's principal agency for promoting economic growth, inclusivity, and sustainability are central to the policies and strategies implemented by the NJEDA. They seek to build strong and dynamic communities, create meaningful job opportunities for the New Jersey residents, and forge a pathway to a stronger, more equitable economy. Though its partnerships with a variety of stakeholders, the NJEDA helps to introduce the quality of life and economic vitality of New Jersey. If you're a business owner looking Looking to learn more about this program, please contact NJEDA at 844-965-1125, or you can visit them online at www.njeda.com for additional details regarding the program. And just as a side note on this, there was another article that related to the NJEDA that came out this morning, and the New Jersey uh, Business uh, Action Center, N NJBAC, has selected Jersey City Attorney Jessica Gonzalez and her firm, Veridis Quo LLC as its consultant to develop and launch the NJBAC Cannabis Technical Assistance Program and Training Academy. And I'm going to digress. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the 100th episode of the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all have to say about this, New Jersey? Is this going to be like New York? Or is this what prompted the Twitter war that Mandy covered yesterday? What do y'all have to say? Um, you know, New, Jer New Jersey is a very peculiar uh case and um everything that's happened so far in new jersey is kind of bucking other trends um i've been hitting up my man wes mick white i know you're watching the show brother hit, hit us up he's a um the czar the social equity czar over there i'd love to hear it directly from uh, the source um so i don't know i'll be cautiously optimistic like i have been everywhere else but i think this i think them announcing this this, this 10 million dollars was basically a big middle finger in the face to New, New York. York for them right. for them uh, shucking and jiving with their money. And I'm willing to bet that that's what got these regulators texting each other in a Twitter war yesterday. Probably is. 
I don't know where you come up with this stuff, Jason. It's like you've never been anywhere before in your life. Um, I've been everywhere. That's the problem, Gretchen. I've been everywhere. Been there. It's white that. Gucci. What you talking about? It's white yeah. Gucci. Girl, I'm in the streets. Uh, Jay, uh, and I'm trying to figure this out, Jason. Does it say where the funding for this is coming from? It did not mention where the funding was coming from. If it was to my guess, it's it's coming from uh from Tax taxpayers. Revenue. Yeah, it's yeah. coming from taxpayers from the general fund in New Jersey. If I was to take a guess, but just for disclosure, that is a guess. And I would call it, it was, an educated guess. Wouldn't okay. it be coming from the dispensaries that are already open, most likely? Like, wouldn't that funding be pulled from those ta that tax revenue? It could be pulled from, from, from that tax revenue, but, but it also could just be pulled from the general fund, and that tax revenue is expected to make up that, that difference. So it's basically a loan by the general fund that will be replenished by the taxpayers of New Jersey in regards with uh, cannabis. That's a possibility. I don't know. That's all speculation. Come on, okay. Wes. Well, anyway, I went yeah. to the New Jersey Economic Development Authority website to see if I were said business and wanted to apply and see if they could tell me more. And it's you were trying to get that 250k, huh? It, it well, it's nowhere there. So I think to yes, New Jersey knows how to write a press release, but are they really taking care of people? From their website, it doesn't appear to be. Uh, so I think they so need to get saying? on it if they're actually trying to push it forward because there's no information I, about it whatsoever. I feel like you should have gotten this Twitter war, Gretchen, with those kind of comments. I'm, I feel I'm, like you should have been that, uh, that Twitter war with From an outsider's it. perspective looking in, I, doesn't New Jersey, didn't New Jersey disallow home grow? Like, isn't, isn't. That is correct. Yeah. So of course they don't care about the people. I mean, this is medicine that we can grow in our backyard or we can grow on a pot you know, in our window, if absolutely, we were, you know, allowed to do so, and and they disallowed that. They don't give a shit about people. You can't grow weed yeah. in a window. Yeah, how shitty would that weed Girl, be? Girl, listen, it would be shitty. It would be really. shitty. It would be shitty. But you know what? The, the you, you're missing my point. My point is that it's a plant and that is a medicine and that it should yeah. be our right to grow it, even to try to grow it in a window. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's our. It should be our right. Window yeah. still booth, huh? That's what we're advocating. That's all, that's all we have in Texas, man. Boof windows. <laughs> window sill booth. Boof window policies. Oh, yep. Exactly. <laughs> but really, if you're not if you're not offering home grow to people, what are you doing? I mean, and and even to I mean, but at least they're not doing what Michigan did and offering this expansive home grow policy. Like we're all about the disabled. We're all about helping sick people, and then turning around and saying, "Sure, you can grow home grow as young as long as your home is in an industrial park." <laughs> and and, and as long as you don't mention the fact that I mean, we stole forty million dollars from veterans. I mean, yeah, they're just so, you know, at least they started out from the beginning saying, you know what, we don't care about the disabled and the poor. <laughs> let's just let's just put that out there. Right. Well, I mean, you, you already know they don't because, you know, Michigan squandered that 40 million dollars that was earmarked for veterans research for cannabis. And so, yeah, Michigan don't care either. OK, and I just got a uh, text from a friend of mine in Jersey. Ooh, insider Jersey information says, over he here. Says they are watching the show. And she Amazing. says the program will potentially roll out in February. It is in real. February. It will happen. That's what she told me. Nice. Interesting. Uh, that would be a huge middle finger to New York if they do actually follow through with and come through on their deadline. I'm telling you, bro. I'm I'm willing to put a hundred bucks <laughs> that, th that this that this that this story is what got the Twitter war started between the two different agencies. 
What actually yep. got the uh, Twitter war started between Ma- uh, Nancy Mace and uh, Matt Gates, though? <laughs> well, hold on. We're, we're, we're going to cover that story a little bit later back. today. Yeah. Yes, that is right. I love oh, a good yes. elephant fight. So that's right, right? You got you to gotta love a good elephant fight, especially when there's some elephants in the room. Yeah. Because, as you know, you know coming you know up else? next. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, I say, you know who else likes a good elephant fight? Uh, uh, Rico. Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> oh yeah. Nick's comment in the uh, in the yeah. Nick's comment in the comments is interesting about San Jose having intense odor mitigation regulations for home grow. You know, and I was reading about Spain that in Spain they're doing more home grow. Maybe somebody could help me understand this. And they're seeing much much higher pollen counts for uh, cannabis pollens in the cities. So exciting that people are, you know, starting to take advantage of home grow opportunities worldwide, wherever it is. And also, too, it also may mean that they that they bought uh, some 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 genetics from one of our sponsors or something, and they're just growing better weeds. So it's a more terpy experience for them too, Doctor Mary. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, that might be it too. That might be it. That might be it. But coming up next, she's a political strategist by day and a baker by night. A true female multitask her who can not only bake up a storm, but also knows how to make the sausage on Capitol Hill. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider. That's right. Taking off the apron and coming up to the stage is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. All right, for all you uh, fans out there who are watching a little trunk elephant fight of our own, we got five days down. Jason Beck has not paid me, done nothing, <laughs> angles it. Damn. So to help him, because he seems incapable, I'm sending him a nice little card, Panoptic Strategies here, with a self-addressed stamped envelope he can put that 100 into. And here's the envelope I'll be sending that card in with double postage to make sure it gets there and that is the mayflower for anyone who doubts my mayflower roots so <laughs> shots yeah. fired all around today gretchen <laughs> my headline is coming from sean's favorite publication marijuana moment pro-legalization gop congresswoman questions if pro-legalization gop congressman is high amid leadership fight The 118th Congress is off to a rocky start, and as Republicans in the House struggle to coalesce around a speaker, one GOP congresswoman who backs marijuana legalization took a hit at a colleague who also supports legalization with an accusation that he might be high on drugs. For advocates, it's not the most reassuring kind of party infighting. Representatives Nancy Mace and Matt Gates are among the few House Republican champions of cannabis reform, and the early conflict could risk depressing efforts to build on bipartisan momentum to move the issue forward this session. Mace has gone after Gates from several angles in recent days over the congressman's role in rallying opposition against Representative Kevin McCarthy, who received the GOP nomination for speaker, but has failed in several votes to secure majority support in the chamber to take up on that top role. This is the first time in a century that the House hasn't elected a speaker in the first round of voting. On Wednesday, as just before the House held its fourth vote for Speaker in two days, Mace delivered another critique. I know people think I'm the weed lady, but serious question at Representative Matt Gates, what are you on? Mace sponsored a comprehensive legalization bill last session and has made a name for herself as one of the most vocal proponents of reform in the chamber, filing legislation to enact marijuana policy changes up until the very last days of the prior Congress. 
But while she told marijuana, marijuana Moment following last year's election that she's optimistic about advancing the issue, even after Republicans took the majority in the House, the intraparty conflict raises some questions about the extent to which members will be able to collaborate constructively. Marijuana Moment reached out to Gates for a comment on the Congresswoman's attack, but he did not respond by the time of publication. Both Mace and Gates also stand out as members who are particularly active on Twitter and willing to use their platforms to raise cannabis policy issues. As bipartisan lawmakers worked against the clock to move marijuana banking legislation during the recent lame duck session, Mace lamented misinformation about how its passage was imminent and said we must look ahead and look beyond uh, the cannabis banking reform next Congress. The tweet was deleted shortly thereafter and told Marijuana Moment that the plan was to post a deeper thread on the topic the following day, but that didn't happen. Another commonality between the congressional lawmakers, they both filed cannabis legislation within days left in the last session. Mace introduced a bill to provide federal tax relief to the marijuana industry, and Gates filed a cannabis research bill. While it was apparent that neither would advance before the session ended, it reflects their mutual interest in the issue, a shared legislative goal that advocates hope will not be compromised by this week's unrelated rut. Mace's drug-centered attack on Gates on Wednesday didn't have anything to do with his actual policy positions on cannabis reform, but for what it's worth, the choice for speaker, whenever that comes, will have significant implications for federal marijuana issues. Marijuana Moment analyzed McCarthy's record as well as those in other House leadership positions within the Republican and Democratic parties. It's not clear if McCarthy will ultimately prevail against the intractable opposition of Gates and more than a dozen of his colleagues. What is clear, however, is that congressional marijuana reform isn't happening until someone is elected speaker, as no House members can be sworn in unless that happens. Whether there's long-term fallout between the two GOP reform allies uh, what that can mean for future legislation is another question. Um, for once, I concur with uh, Nancy Mace. doesn't happen often, but I think Gates is an idiot along with his band of 20 merry men. Uh, this whole thing is ridiculous. Uh, we need to move forward. Do I think it'll have lasting impacts on uh, cannabis legislation? Absolutely not. This Gretchen Pride 9 News. Yeah. And she yes, sips Mace. the coffee, like, no, this ain't going to move the needle. <laughs> I mean, it's fun I to talk about. This. I loved this fight, okay? I loved this. I thought this was great for cannabis, the fact that the, their two are just having a little Twitter spat in regards to something that has nothing to do with cannabis. I thought this was great for cannabis overall. We have the two leading Republican allies on cannabis reform. Both believe in descheduling. I mean, I just, I thought this was, I thought this was fantastic. I enjoyed it. I think this is and just poor. What are you, out of your mind? I mean, I, enjoy just, it. I think it, all it I does enjoy... is perpetuate the stigma around cannabis. Are you high? That's why you're an idiot. No, that doesn't help us. And it doesn't help know. coming from or the plant. It's, I mean, Jason, you're almost responding like any news is good news. And I feel like we're too far it down is. the chute to still be thinking that any news is good news. Can I show you the guys my favorite my favorite uh, tweet in regards to, to all of this? This was this was my favorite one. I don't. Yeah, I get it. I think you know, like I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm all for like the dysfunction and everything, but I'm just I'm just for all politicians being dysfunctional. But I think these are the types of jokes and, and barbs you can trade toward each other in public space when you're winning. And right now, the conservatives are not winning. 
conservatives yeah. are winning. Conservatives are winning because this is how democracy was meant to take place. It's not just you just fall in line and fall behind your party and whatever. It's like, hey, we have some serious issues in regards to how we're going to proceed. And so we need to address these. And so let's That's address them now before we these start are not the Congress. Serious issues. This is we're going <laughs> to hold are serious issues. hostage until they rewrite the rules <laughs> to make it them not, happy. Not, what, you guys are like the Speaker of the House. Are you crazy? It's not hostage. It's not. Yes, it is hostage. It Nothing is can not. happen until this. No, it's not. I know it's not. It's not hostage. It's it, that's the order of how things happen. That's like saying, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw my pants on before I throw on my underwear." No, that's not how it works. You put your underwear on first. <laughs> well, it depends where you live, but I'm just saying, that, <laughs> everybody wears underwear, dude. Everybody wears underwear. Depends on if they're under ruse or not, right? It's not an inclusive statement, Jason. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, just like it. a lot of things that he says, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but that's okay. We love you anyway, Jason. And you know, you're a diehard. You're a fucking diehard Republican. It makes all the sense in the world. I expect this from you. And I and I support the Freedom Caucus in their efforts to make sure that America is a safer place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Liz, I would I would not suggest that Jason is the only diehard Republican. I will suggest I'm the sane diehard Republican <laughs> who actually cares about stuff getting done in this country. Instead I care of about stuff getting, getting done too. And I didn't I say that. And there's no too. insult there at all. You know, I'm 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 a Texan. That's how, how I feel. But um, no, I I feel that he's he's kind of insane. Like he's more on the zealot side of things, is what I meant to say. No. Yes. Yes. Gretchen, whatever whatever yeah. happened. To I like what you say, Gretchen. You make what happened to the red man's party it's it's still happening oh stop it rico united stop empowerment it. party what party yes, that ain't even there. a party stop it it's not a party united empowerment party hey, man. Yeah. See, when there's dysfunction on both sides <laughs> it's the perfect time for a third party to rise up and actually come through with some kind of lip service they're not going to win you know they're no not going to win anything or anything but they're not going to win any favor the narrative and there's They're no, no third you know, right don't now. you no. don't you think that the midterms and the lack of all of these really uh, rigid and uh, extremist people from being voted in, don't you think that that really supports that we're just ready for the two parties to start operating in a more moderate way? We there's, don't necessarily yes. have to rewrite everything, but we just need our politicians to represent us, and and we're generally moderate. I, I think, no, I think they do. I think they do represent us, and this is exactly what America looks like. No, it's fun to stop playing the minority. It's bullshit because the ones who are playing the games are the ones who can afford to play the games. Yeah. They're the ones who don't have a problem getting uh, medicine and access to uh, all the things that privileged right people do. And so know. we can afford to play games and we can say, hey, wait a minute, you got to put your underwear on before you put your pants on. That's how it Just, works because like they the little... can because they're comfortable. And I think that's the frustration. You know, that's the frustration. Let's, that, let's keep it moving. Was that the giddy up on the horse little? Tss, little I like little, the giddy up. Yeah. Get I that, Liz. Was, I get it. I like it. I like it. I like this it. is exactly why the <laughs> trap will never fucking die because people still got to give money. People still got to put food on their table. People still got to pay for diapers and they're going to get it how they want to get it. They're going to get it how they can get it because there are no yeah. options and the, and the options that they're given. They're not options they're not at all. They're, they're not viable yeah. solutions. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh, that was a fantastic discussion. Gretchen, I'm so glad you covered that story. That might have been my favorite story of the day today. And this shout out in the mail. to Matt Gates and Nancy May Mace. 
our cannabis champions on Capitol Hill. Let's go quick, Adam. Let's pay a quick bill. Pay this bill. That shit was epic. That was right. Love that Texas. I feel like I just went wizard school with that commercial. That was good. Right? You guys like that? Good. I'm glad you guys enjoyed that. Because the thoughts and opinions and general overall shade thrown on the Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or its followers. The statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, or territory of any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship. Our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. If you're an easily offended person, this show is probably not for you. And also, maybe you should go and start a Twitter war. Up next, we have a... You want to grow some of the best weed in the world? Then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.sa to see why our terps don't lie. This New York City-based 25-year board-certified integrative medicine internist and two-time best-selling author with Michigander Roots is also the CEO of Balanced Medicinals doing the research and converting it to effective treatments. And why? So you don't have to, because we know that you won't. When she's not treating patients with alternative medicines, she can also be found in front of her video camera, cooking and walking up the upper, the upper west side. Coming to the stage next, it is Dr. Mary Clifton. Hi, everybody. Great to see everybody again today and happy new year. And thank you for that great introduction. Uh, Jason found my story for me today. Thank you, Jason. Uh, from uh, healthnews.com, uh, which I hadn't heard, which I, I don't see a lot of medical cannabis coming out of health news. So I'm delighted to get this. It's an article about medical marijuana use for epileptic seizures by uh, Brianne uh, Kasetic. And it's, uh, it really is nothing new unfortunately. Uh, no, no new studies on seizure, but does talk about all of the previous studies and really brings to light how important and, and significant seizure disorder is and how many people need another alternative. You know, um, there's 3.4 million Americans who live with epilepsy, but when you look at seizure as a disease, 
one in every 100 people, 1% of people over their lifetime will have a seizure, whether it's a baby who has a febrile seizure where they get a high fever and they, and they have a seizure that's unrelated to ongoing seizure disorder, or if it's a person living with epilepsy or a person who has seizures after head trauma, there's a lot of different reasons to have a seizure. And a lot of times we don't really know why they're happening. It's like a short circuiting in the electricity of the brain. But people with seizure disorder, it isn't like we put them on one seizure medication and then we just send them off and they're doing great. There's neurologists that have whole seizure clinics and people with seizures are often on a couple of different medications uh, or switching from medication to medication, changing the dosages because they just don't get control. Out of this one in 100 people who has seizures, one in three people with seizures cannot get their seizures under control with current medical management. And that's where the cannabis research is so exciting. The, the research has been primarily done on children who have, uh, who have genetic uh, syndromes that have seizure associated with the genetic syndrome. Uh, and in some of those uh, syndromes, the seizures are extremely difficult to control because of the way that there's growths on the brain or changes to the blood vessels in the brain or malformations so that it's very difficult to control the seizures. And these kids go on CBD at, at reasonable doses, at pretty high doses, and then are able to reduce their seizure rates by 30 percent, which is huge in these early studies on these very complicated seizures. Because, you know, when we're doing these studies, most of the time, a, a, a caregiver is answering the results on the surveys about how many seizures that the child is getting because the child is so disabled. And many of them are having one or two seizures a day. So then if you think about it, they're having their phase before they go into their seizure, they have their seizure, and then there's three or four hours after the seizure that you're kind of zonked out. So if you can take a disabled person from one seizure a day that that without a lot of understanding of when it's going to hit, it just pulls you out of your day for four hours. So imagine only doing that. 20 times a month instead of 30 times a month. And these are the super complicated seizures, which is which is a, such an interesting place to start because you think, you know, if it works on a super complicated seizure, it could very well work really well on just a simple focal seizure or a simple grand mal tonic-clonic seizure. You know, you could get a significant benefit uh, without a lot of side effects, right? That's the one thing I love about cannabis is reading the side effect profile. <laughs> Very different from reading the side effect profile of so many other medications that I prescribe. So this is a this is a great article if you're interested in like just getting the scoop on epilepsy and seizure and how seizure is managed and how it's diagnosed. Uh, not a lot of new data on cannabis, but just marvelous to see cannabis coming to the front and center in a very, you know, intelligently written article in a mainstream news piece. And, I, uh, I love this. Thank yeah. you so much, Dr. Mary, for presenting that. I just want to say really quickly, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, epilepsy is an, an intractable childhood epilepsy was the reason that we had cannabis legalized medically as, as a medical treatment in oh, Texas. Wow. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's the moms. It's the moms of these children um, and the overwhelming research 
that indicates the massive benefits of cannabis on, you know, epilepsy. And um, so I just, I, I love this story and I'm, thank you for getting this information out there. When people realize that it's one in 100 um, of us humans suffer from this, then it becomes, I think, a little bit more real. Um, and so it's just really, I think, important. But you know, the, uh, the stigma is still out there for people who are using yeah. it. I had, uh, my, uh, you know, boyfriend is an anesthesiologist and he was, they were what? about to do a procedure on, on a little gal who was using CBD. The mom admitted to using CBD for her seizures. And she had, um, you know, a document from the pediatrician. She had a medical cannabis card. She was totally above board uh, using the uh, CBD and, you know, the group talked about it and then came back and said she would be able to undergo her procedure once she discontinued the CBD and got on a seizure medication that was that would that they knew they, that they that they trusted and then they would go back so the mom was like you just got to be kidding me we're getting better control with CBD but now you're going to make us stop it and go back so they did you know and then he saw her a few weeks later and gassed her and everything went fine you know <laughs> but i mean the thing is everything would have gone fine with the cannabis before so right. it, the the uh it's it's a it's a weird world we're living in just you know trying to trying to get this integrated into the western medicine model sure sure a lot there's a lot at stake i think a lot at risk for those who make the most money so always that's you know, always that the case. Is yeah the, that is yeah. the crux of the, making the, the most truth money will always be you know, yep. covered by the the profits and business Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. it is. It's going to take a long time to bring cannabis forward. I think good regulation in our industry, very high integrity is going to help, but it's going to take a long time for because why would Western medicine embrace cannabis? No, it, exactly. Exactly. No There's reason. no reason to. There's no reason to, but for the fact that we're human, we're organic beings, and it actually would improve our lives, but we're, you know, we're fucked up. Um, Nick mentioned yep. something that I was uh, thinking of as well. You know, Nancy Whiteman of Wanda Brands, she just she donated $30 million to the research of, um, to forwarding the research at Johns Hopkins. Um, oh, and, I yeah. heard. Big shout yeah. out. Yeah. Yes, and a big shout out to, uh, was it Canopy Growth that took that huge L? <laughs> oh, hold on. There is no L. What are you talking about, L? That was a big, that was a, hey, but we have, we, we do $300 million that they'll never give back. And hey, what are you saying, never oh, give back? Do you have a crystal ball? We're going down, we're going down a rabbit hole. Hold on, hold on. We have, we have Troy up from the audience to have, have say something on this. What do you have to say Troy. about this, Troy? Troy, are you with us? Awesome. What do you have to say about this, Troy? Awesome. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Yes, thank you. Great article. Great to see it going back to medical. It's just uh, a shame to see the doctor scenario with that surgery that I heard because even I went through that with the hernia, and they were quite avid that you cannot uh, have it in your system due to scar tissue and other things of that nature. So. A lot of research needs to be done, and it needs to go back to medical. It's great to see this article. So, awesome, Troy. Thank you so much. Um, and just and me as 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 my own individual self, um, I had a grand mal seizure on a day, um, one day randomly, like five days before my twenty first birthday. Spent my twenty first birthday in the hospital, uh, tied down on bed rails and whatnot, and I literally 
went to sleep one night and had the grand mal seizure in my sleep. And it was on a day that I did not consume any cannabis because I was too sick. It actually hurt my throat to smoke. And this was long before brownies and edibles and all this other bullshit delivery systems and whatnot. But nonetheless, I'm glad that we're seeing some relief for people with seizures. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, isn't that funny? So you're, you're the, uh, you're, you're one of the one in 10. I am. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not, I, I don't hope that never happens to me. I mean, that seems like that can cause a lot of problems, a lot of injury, just, you know, I don't want to fall down without like being able to grab myself before I go down, you know, I yeah. would, and I just would be worried about head injury or I've seen a lot of bad outcomes from uncontrolled seizure. Well, I played high school football, Mary, so I've had my head banged oh, up a lot. So I'm pretty yeah. hard-headed, not to mention I've been running this for so long. You know, you got to be hard-headed to get raided by the feds three times and keep running. I sat around like a nerd in science labs, pouring different stuff into beakers and reading books. So I have like no head injury. <laughs> we just, <laughs> Other we than just the brain injury I caused myself from all those hours at the books. I had I had a sixth grade science teacher and I, I remember my class was so bad we actually punked him and he never even came back to class. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kid. Uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty rough school I went to, Pittsburgh High School. Shout out to all the people in Pittsburgh. P-town. But nonetheless, coming up next, our next correspondent is a savage cannabis advocate from the Lone Star State. And the host of the podcast Feminized with Liz Grow. She interviews the dopest women in weed and lives, dives deep into all the facets that the cannabis industry, as the co-founder of Grow House Media and the co-creator of the Texas Hemp Cup. Oh, man. Oh, man. Big judging going on in that Texas Hemp Cup. It is... Liz Grow. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, I want to kick it over to Mandy Tingler, though. I am going to, um, what do they say in like Congress? I yield my time. You're going to yield Mandy, your time because Mandy's story is literally about epilepsy. So there's too much important things to do, um, Let's do and it. too many problems to talk about here. Should I give her the intro then? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Thank you for that intro. I love it. I yield my time to Mandy Tingler, and really quickly. Um, my last name really is Grow. How cool is that? All right. Oh, man. On the does that, does that mean you do not show? Up next, it's a pot product extraordinaire and serial canapreneur who's blazed trails and doobies at Camilla Canagram, canamami.org, and the Women's Cana Awards competition. But you can also call this NorCal-based Emerald Cup edibles Judge Carmen Sacramento, because she's always searching the globe for the perfect cannabis and psychedelic edible experiences. A crusader for female entrepreneurship on a mission to show the world cannabis motherhood and executive lifestyle do in fact go together. You know who it is bringing us home today on episode 100, Mandy Tingler. Hey, thank you, thank you so much. Liz, thanks so much for deferring your time to me. I really appreciate it. Um, I have this article that I've got actually piggybacks right off of what Dr. Mary was saying. It's not about epilepsy, but the title is, and by the way, the article is from MedPage Today. So again, another uh, medical uh, journal. The article is screen all surgery patients for cannabis use. New guidelines say regular cannabis users may have more post-operative pain and other complications. Surgical candidates undergoing anesthesia should be screened universally for cannabis use. New guidelines from the American Society of Regional Anesthesia and Pain Medicine stated. <clears throat> Anesthesiologists should ask all about the type of cannabis product used, whether it was smoked or ingested, the amount used, 
how recently it was used, and the frequency of use, reported Shalini Shaw, MD, of the University of California, Irvine, and colleagues in regional anesthesia and pain medicine. Anesthesiologists should also prepare to possibly change the anesthesia plan or delay surgery, the authors noted. They, they should let patients know that regular cannabis users may have more pain and nausea after surgery and may need more medications to manage post-surgical pain. The guidance is the first in the U.S. about cannabis and preoperative management. Cannabis is the most commonly used recreational drug in the U.S. and the most commonly used psychoactive substance after alcohol, noted guideline co-author and ASRA pain medicine president. Samir Narouz, MD and PhD of Northeast Ohio Medical University in Akron. About 10% of the population, or 27.6 million people, reported monthly use in 2017, according to data from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, and that number is growing. Recent Gallup poll numbers place the number of Americans who spoke marijuana at about 16%. That's why we've been working on these guidelines for the last two years, because we have millions of people using cannabis recreationally or medicinally, Narao said in an interview with MedPage today. Every day, some pe everyday people who use cannabis present for surgery, he pointed out. We see some observational studies about this in the literature, but there have been no randomized control trials. But even in observation studies, patterns were clear. The main issue we're seeing is more pain recovery and more nausea and vomiting also in recovery, he said. We also saw associations with increased risk for post-operative cardiovascular morbidity, post-operative myocardial infarction, and arrhythmia, and post-operative cerebrovascular morbidity in some patients, he said. Cannabis has varying interactions with anesthetics and sedatives. Narao said some patients also experience post-operative cannabis withdrawal symptoms. The guidelines stemmed from a literature review and other work from the ASRA Pain Management Guide Committee. The consensus recommended recommendation required at least 75% agreement of the committee of, of their 13 experts. The committee used the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force process of assigning an A, B, C, or D letter grade or I for insufficient based on evidence strength. Recommendations receiving an A grade included screening all patients before surgery, postponing elective surgery if patients had altered mental status, counseling heavy users about potentially negative effects of cannabis post-operative pain control, and counseling pregnant patients on risks associated with cannabis use. Those receiving a B were counseling patients on potential preoperative risks associated with continuing cannabinoids and discouraging cannabis use during pregnancy and immediately after childbirth. C-grade recommendations included delaying elective surgery for at least two hours after patients smoked cannabis, adjusting the anesthesia delivery based on symptoms and timing of last consumption, increasing vigilance of potential heart and neurological problems after surgery. There's a large gap in our knowledge about cannabis and surgery, Narao stated. That's why most recommendations did not reach the A grade level. However, we do not want to underestimate the information we gather from the observational and large data studies because it's real world data, he said. The ASRI Pain Medicine Task Force will continue monitoring new research as it becomes available. Shaw and, Shaw and colleagues noted, the group may revise the entire document or specific sections if new evidence warrants warrants updated recommendations. Guys, this is 
posing so many questions for me, but I'm very curious to hear what you say. This is Mandy at High at Nine News on our 100th episode. Give me your thoughts. So I will immediately come out, you know, with this comment that there has been, you know, documented episodes of MI or uh, or cerebral vascular disease, you know, myocardial infarction that you stumbled over a bit is 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 heart heart disease death, uh, you know, heart heart muscle death, myocardial infarction. So that's a heart attack. So when they're talking about those two events, they're talking about heart attack and stroke paired postoperatively with cannabis use, but but long longer studies have not supported that. And in fact, studies support that people who come in with either congestive heart failure or having a heart attack and already having cannabis in their system, they have fewer heart rhythm problems. They actually do better after heart attacks and episodes of congestive heart failure. So there may be an anti-inflammatory benefit going on in the heart. And and I and I it is it is clear within the anesthesia literature that giving somebody that, that a person who is using cannabis preoperatively is going to end up using uh, more anesthesia during surgery and is going to have more post-operative uh, events with the nausea and increased pain management. But we don't have enough long-term research to definitively support any other negative outcomes. You know, and my concern is that if we start testing every single patient, where is the doctor going to be required to report, you know, what could be criminal behavior? And then all of these people who are coming in for an elective surgery that are doing criminal behavior that we have to report, then what happens to the, I mean, this could just be a disaster. So if we do this, we have to make sure that this data is secured and isn't going to create a huge round of fines and all of the subsequent downlines to feed the police industry off of cannabis from, you know, from another, from a person who's simply going in to get a tooth pulled, you know, that's, I, I, I'm concerned about this. Uh, I'm concerned so, about this guideline. So you're saying we need to start a stop snitching campaign for doctors, Dr. Mary. <laughs> yeah, we need to protect some of this. I mean, if somebody comes in and they tell you that they're a victim of elder abuse or that they're having trouble not abusing their child or they are abused, I mean, we have to report certain things. You can't just write that in the note mm -hmm. and, you know, give somebody some advice. Put it in a file. Right, right. But I don't necessarily have to report every hangnail. And so you do really protect your patient's confidences. But I mean, if we're testing every patient before surgery and you're in Kansas or something where that terminally yep. ill patient You're not going to be gone. able to brush it under the rug. You're not going to yeah. have a rug. You're just going to have a floor that they see all the dirt on. They're pulling, up, <laughs> pulling the rug exactly out from under you once have. again. Yeah. What do you have to say about this, Mandy? Uh, Mandy well, I had a question actually for Dr. Mary. So you know, someone like me, I am a very sen sensitive system. If I undergo anesthesia, uh, it doesn't matter if I'm in a cannabis using capacity or not. I wake up very sick. It doesn't matter. I'm always feeling mm. nauseous after I have anesthesia. Yeah. I'm very sensitive to most pharmaceutical medications, period. Over the like, So for me, I defer to plant medicine almost 100% of the time. And so when I go in and um, if I have to disclose this and, and I'm expecting to have a surgery and I don't intend to use their medication for pain management post-operation, I intend to use my own, like, how do I fight for my own rights on this, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, you would have to disclose your cannabis use so they were aware you at least should. And, you know, uh, Nick makes a point that you're not required to report heroin abuse if my patient reports it to me. And that's true. And I and I don't over report, you know, it, because I because I, you you maintain patient confidences. You become this vault of secrets over a 20 year private practice in a small town, I'll tell you. But um, but you can. uh uh, you know, you, you can have other problems from this. Like if at some point you try to get a job and they ask you, have you ever tested positive for cannabis? You can say no. And then you're a felon because you've lied on an application. If it's a government job, you know, you, you can't, if they, if somebody dredges up that test from somewhere. So you have to admit to that test. It's, um, you know, it's just something I think you have to be very careful about consenting to whatever therapy they say that they have to do. But if it becomes a guideline like this, everybody takes it on because this these guidelines don't happen by accident. They're developed over time. And if you don't follow them, then your insurance company gives you a hassle. So, you know, if this becomes a guideline, there's going to be a lot more testing and the downstream consequences could be significant. Interesting. Very, very, fascinating. Very so, just keep lying to your doctors, people. Yeah. Well, I just, yeah. I just wonder too if this is just going to spark more, um, more doctor, doctor tourism with people, uh, being, being fearful that live in states that, uh, that can't consume cannabis, that do consume cannabis, traveling to states for medical operations specifically because of that reason. Yeah, that would that would protect that population. I worry about the person who's been in a traumatic motor vehicle accident, but I think we're already screening them. But then I worry about people who have an appendicitis, you know, and you can't really travel for that or, you know, somebody with uh, with some sort of acute sinus problem. It's a uh, it's uh, it, it, it yeah. bothers me that, you know, every time you go in, we're just going to like and we do some things we just do before surgery. You get an EKG, you get a, you know, get a lab panel to check for the hemoglobin level and the sodium and potassium. There's just but if we add on a cannabis one to every one of those. Oh, my God. So, Dr. Oh Mary, God. are you saying are you saying that the side effects that they're finding are irrelevant and people shouldn't worry about these things? No, I think we should worry about those things. But I mean, at the same time, if you have more nausea and more pain management problems postoperatively, we can handle that. It's, you know, it's not as though it's a massive difference. It's like somebody having, it's like a two point difference on a 10 point pain scale. And, and it is important for doctors to know everything that they can before their patients go to surgery. And I, I mean, the guideline probably makes sense, but we just need to be so careful that the results of that test are maintained under a very HIPAA compliant uh, agreement and that, you know, those those results aren't transmitted to any kind of law enforcement agency if your appendix happens to rupture when you're in Kansas. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, Dr. Mary, because uh, when I had my grandma seizure, I had a, a similar situation, uh, may, maybe somewhat to what you're kind of explaining, because the first thing that the doctor came in and told me, and mind you, like I was homeless at the time and lived in my car. OK, and happened to be staying at a friend's house that night and doctor came in and told me that I was on dope and that my driver's license had been suspended and that he would not renew my driver's license until I could produce a clean urine sample. Man, he really thought he was doing you a favor. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I, and I, to which my answer was that I said, I said, sorry, you're wrong about that. 
I said, I smoke green stuff and dope is white. So, <laughs> and he, he didn't he didn't like that one that much. But, no hope dope. Right. Yeah. You should you should have said, don't worry about it. In three or four years from now, I'm just gonna have a driver anyway. Oh man, I'm with you, Dr. Mary. That would have been a good one too. That would have been fantastic. That would have been fantastic. This was this was a great show. Thank you guys, everybody. Great show. Yeah. Yes. Are we Happy gonna have one hundred? Happy one hundred. Um, are we gonna have uh, Liz? We have we have one quick. We have we have. Oh yeah, go ahead, Liz. You want to hey. sum up the story? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I can definitely share a little bit about this story. I mean, it's it's a lengthy one, um, but in but it's an important one, and it's from Lost Coast Outpost, um, and it's essentially collapsing cannabis industry guts. Garberville businesses, local leaders look to tourism as a saving grace. Um, and as a Texan, you know, we don't have a medical, we don't have a program, you know, so to speak. We do have a medical program. It's very, very small and restrictive. But we look to California. We dream about California. We fly to California and want to smoke all your weed. Um, and it's amazing. But it's just so heartbreaking to see how the cannabis industry is collapsing in California. And this story um, was just like, you know, really kind of hit home. Um, so the collapse of California's cannabis market has devastated the local economies and left communities throughout Southern Humboldt struggling to stay afloat. Businesses are closing left and right, and residents who have built their livelihoods around the region's prolific cannabis industry feel fear they will lose everything. Communities nestled in the most remote corners of the county have been hit the hardest, but the cannabis industry's decline is most ever evident in Garberville. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm not going to read the rest of this story because I think we know how it goes. Um, but yes. I would love to hear from you guys. Um, you're, you're in the industry. You are moving the industry um, in California. Why the fuck is it falling apart? And Because it's under Democratic control and Democrats like to over-regulate and over-tax. And that's basically what is going on, what's happening. Yeah. No, it's, it's falling apart because of corporatization, man. Capitalism. Yeah. No, it's falling apart because of overtaxation and overregulation. That's why it's falling apart. Bottom so line. What do you do? Capitalism. How do you change that? That's, that's, I mean, I don't do know. You be, tell people you know, more people to vote. You know how we change it? We go and we pay this quick bill with a commercial because capitalism. Is there a resetting anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> At True Classic OG, we live by one motto: Stay true. We stay true to our legacy cut of true OG that's always fresh, piney, gassy, and delicious. We represent the spirit and hustle and diversity of our great city of angels, and we stay true to the spirit of this plant, doing everything in-house to ensure that you get the highest quality and consistency with every batch. And that's what made us LA's favorite OG. True classic OG. Stay true, Los Angeles. It's hilarious. All right, We're going to solve all the problems by doing a commercial. That's right. That's all right, right. Thank, you, thank you guys so much for sticking with us through 100 episodes here at High at Nine News. It's been a journey so far, and we've got so much ahead of us as well. You can always catch us on weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our live audience members, online supporters tuning in, giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos, everybody knows as the developing cannabis industry. 
our vetted industry correspondent team tuning in from all over the globe, can, uh, global community, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and adding your respected opinions to the conversation. You guys saw a good example of that today with Dr. Mary and her story. Um, and to our production team, huge, huge, huge shout out to Cloud Media Management and, and also House of Fuego and the wonderful Zsa, Zsa Simone holding things down every damn day for us over in Clubhouse. Adam over here uh, doing things behind the scenes. You guys don't see him, but he is a beast as well, keeping us uh, looking and sounding good. To the haters out there, it's 100 episodes in. Keep your hating. Keep your hate coming for us because we only get stronger every fucking day and you guys to keep on tuning in too so fuck y'all anyways finally thank you cannabis sativa l you are the sacred reason the hyatt nine news team shows up each day to read these crazy ass headlines it's thursday january 5th 2023 the shoot the show is now over and you've been blessed with the top industry headlines we hope it was enough to put in your pipe and smoke it at least until tomorrow you guys remember when life gives you no place else to turn you can always turn the fuck up i'm rico lamy the dopest dad in the street big shout out to everybody who's stuck with us big shout out to the whole team everybody on board today everybody on board every day of the week i love you guys let's do another hundred and then maybe jason will pay up we're rolling on hundreds 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 thank you everybody thank you so much this is great. We made it to 100 episodes. Thank you, everybody involved. Thank you, everybody watching. We appreciate you all spending your time with us. Run it, Adam.